Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Owasso. I'm so glad to see you. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm always grateful for the privilege of being able to be together. I want to invite you to take your Bibles out today and turn to Hebrews chapter 9. That's the passage that we're going to be in today. But I really just want to take a moment before we get into the passage to point out something. First off, I want to say thank you so much to those of you who are here face-to-face and in the room. I'm grateful for the way you've been uh, mindful of one another by wearing masks and by trying to, to, to keep your distance from one another. I'm so grateful for that. For those of you who are watching online, I'm so thankful that we get to do this together. It's always incredible to have an unhurried, uninterrupted time around God's Word and the privilege of being able to worship together through music and through prayer. And so I just love that we get to do this, whether we're online or whether in the room, and today is a different day for us once again, right? It's different because today we, all of our adult and student groups, all of our groups have really gone online, and the reason we've done that is because of the effects of COVID in our community are just really on the rise, and we just thought that would be a a good, wise thing for us to do. And part of what uh, helped us come to those conclusions is we've seen it not just in our community, but we've seen the effects of COVID begin to hit directly within our families and our church and, and, and directly within some of our staff members. Who uh, some who have had to quarantine, not because they're sick, but because they've been around or near people who have been sick, and they're just out of an abundance of caution, uh, kind of staying away from people right now. And then we do have a couple of people on our staff who have tested positive. Um, you may have seen the post on Facebook uh, that Pastor Chris is one of those people, and I'll tell you that he's at the end of the thing now. He's turned the corner. I talked with him this morning. Apart from sounding like Barry White on the telephone, he's he's feeling pretty good. He's got that deep low voice right now, but he and his family are improving, and uh, we have some, some others on our staff that are still in the midst of the sickness, and so I thought as we began today, uh, we're going to get to do something really special today. We're going to have the privilege of being able to celebrate the Lord's Supper together today in the context of Hebrews chapter 9, and we'll talk about exactly how that's going to work here in just a moment, but uh, whether you're watching online or in the room, we have the opportunity today to remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us on the cross at Calvary. And I'm just so thankful for for what he did for us because the Bible tells us that it's by his stripes we are healed. And the Bible tells us that there's no weapon that's formed against us that can prosper. And the Bible tells us that someday Jesus is returning for his church, for his bride, he's returning for his people, and that all of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we have nothing to fear. Because certainly there are things that can come after our physical bodies. But Jesus himself is the one who guards the spirit life of who we are, the soul of who we are. He is the one who someday will lead us into this resurrection life that will allow us to stand face to face with God. And in a way that allows us not to be ashamed when we do it. He allows us to stand face to face with God because of the righteousness that Jesus secured for us on the cross at Calvary. And so whether you're online or whether you're in the room, through the Lord's Supper today, we have the opportunity to remember that and to join with one another as we celebrate and really just make much of Jesus today. And so it's the reminder of those things that leads me to this moment where I think if God is the powerful controller of all things, and in this time of what seems like uncertainty and the challenges of the constant changes of making a adjustments in order to be healthy and to stay healthy and to help keep other people healthy. What are some things we can do 
in this moment to express our love for God and to express our love for one another. And one of the greatest things we can do is to just take a moment to lift one another up in prayer. And so as we begin our service today or as we begin our, 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 our message today, for those on our staff, for those in our community, for those really in our world who are sick or who are alone or who are quarantined or who are fearful, I thought it would be great for us to just begin with some prayer. So let's take a moment to just bow our heads and close our eyes and pray together. And for those of you who are watching online, I hope you'll do that too. I hope that if you're watching online, that this really is an unhurried, uninterrupted moment, that you're not multitasking, that you're not playing a game in one window and listening to my voice in another window. I hope you'll really focus in. And for those of you who are in the room, I hope you'll focus in as well. I hope you won't let the things around you distract you or thoughts about what's later today or later next week distract you. I hope you'll give to God, not to me. I hope you'll give to God your uninterrupted, undivided attention. And you'll just simply take some time over these next few minutes to spend some unhurried time remembering him and honoring him and that today we would make much of Jesus together. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful to you that you are the powerful controller of all things. And while I may not always understand your ways and I may not always like what's happening in the world around me, I can be confident of this. You have my best interest at heart. You have your glory in mind and you have moved heaven and earth so that I might know you and be known by you. You allowed your son to be sacrificed for my sin and for that I am so grateful. And you have said to us that, that in you there is healing. You have said to us, in you there is faith and faithfulness. In you there is confidence. In you there is rest. In you there is peace. In you there is joy. And so I pray for Pastor Chris and his family. I pray that you would bring healing to them. That you would move in them and through them. And that you would do something exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ask or think. I'm so grateful for his, uh, his ministry in my life and for his friendship and for the friendship of that family. And I just pray that you would bless them today with your presence and with your loving kindness. For his extended family, I pray that you would bring healing and comfort as well. For those on our staff, for those in our community, for those in our world who are struggling with the effects of COVID, who are concerned about the possibilities of catching it, who are in quarantine because they're trying to be mindful of the people around them. Father, I pray that you would just be their comfort and their guide and their peace, that you would lift their heads, that you would remind them of your love, that you would remind them that we are, even, even whether, we're, whether we're in a room or whether we're online, Father, that we are together in this, and we are for one another, we are with one another, and we do all of that because of the grace of God that's given to us. You've bound our hearts together through your Son, and so I pray that today, as we look at your word, that we would make much of Jesus, and that you would draw us together around your word. We love you, Father. We thank you for the grace that you've given to us so abundantly. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for, for praying with me about that. And I hope you'll continue to pray about that. I think that would be a great thing. Hebrews chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And today, not only are we celebrating the Lord's Supper, but we're also wrapping up a series that we've been in this entire season, really since the beginning of the school year, since the beginning of August. We've been in the same series, and we've called it Together in a Changing World. What does it mean for us as the church, as the people of God, to come together, whether we're face-to-face -face or online? What does it mean for us to be together? 
together, united in Christ. And one of the things we've discovered with every message is there's a lot of different aspects of what it means to be together. It means we're together in our mission. It means we're together in our vision. It means we're together in our values. It means we're together in our approach to one another, in the, in the fruit of the Spirit, in this idea that I want to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in my life so I can serve the fruit of the Spirit to the people around me. And I am made stronger and made better because of the people together in this church who are cultivating the fruit of the Spirit in their life and serving it at various times to me. And I'm just so thankful for each and every one of you and for the way that you do that, the way you're constantly attempting to take one more step towards your heavenly father or really with your heavenly father as you obey the spirit. I'm just so thankful for the way that you follow hard after God and as you do that, the fruit of the Spirit is cultivated in your life so that you can serve that fruit to other people all around you, not just in the church, but throughout the community. And as you do that, and as you do that, what we come to realize is that our lives with Christ are incomplete without a connected relationship to his church. If I were to say anything that would be kind of a theme for this entire series, that's the thing that I hope you catch, that God designed us to be with one another. He designed us to be for one another. He designed us to gather so that we could come together, right? He designed us that way. So your life with Christ, it doesn't mean you can't have a life with Christ without a relationship with his church. It just means I miss something when I miss you and you miss something when, I, when you miss me. There's just something that God teaches you differently than he teaches me. And so there's some things that you know about him that I'll never know until you tell me and vice versa. And so we're just designed to be together and your life with Christ is incomplete without a connected relationship to his church. Now that connected relationship to his church all begins with Jesus. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the foundation on which we stand and everything we do is based on what it is that Jesus Christ did for us. It's the reason why we thought the best way to end this series was by celebrating the Lord's Supper. It gives us the privilege of being able to remember very specifically and very directly through this incredible object lesson that God has given us in the, in the Lord's Supper exactly what it is that Jesus Christ did for us. So let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 11. Now one of the things we like to do when we read the Word of God is we like to honor it in the context of worship by standing as we read and then at the end of my reading I'll say this is the Word of the Lord and then just um, heartily with, a, with, with strength you as a congregation say praise be to God because we simply want to honor the reading of God's Word. And so let's read that together. Hebrews chapter 9 begins Beginning in verse 11, beginning in verse 11, it says this, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, 
The death of the one who made it must be established, for a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled the blood, both of the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary For the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. But the heavenly things themselves with uh, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would, have to, he would have had to have suffered repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to, appear the, to, to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You know, um, we live in a world where biometrics are a thing, right? Almost every one of you have in your pocket or in your hand a cell phone. And those of you who are watching online, you're either watching on a cell phone or on an iPad, maybe a computer. And we're just really familiar with biometric things, right? You use your thumbprint, your fingerprints to, or your finger to, to get onto the computer or facial recognition will show you exactly what you need to know. You know, and it opens up your computer for you. And, and even today, we can identify people through a, a, a blood test and in their blood, we see their DNA and every one of us has this unique signature with our DNA and, and your unique DNA or unique, your unique facial expressions, your unique facial look. And some of you have some really unique facial looks, right? Um, you have some, uh, those, those unique facial expressions or your unique, unique fingerprint, it gives you access to things that nobody else has access to, right? You've seen that many, many times in your life, how you've been given access to things just because of who you are and some, some very specific indicators that prove that this is who you are and this is why you're qualified to open up that phone or to open up that iPad or open up that computer. A few years ago, my, my family and I, we got to go to Washington, D.C. on a trip, family vacation, and it was so much fun. We realized we had some friends that actually live in that area and Drew Allen is one of the friends that at the time was stationed at the Pentagon. He's the son of Barry and Patsy Allen and their members here and what an incredible place to serve. He was stationed at the Pentagon and we had the privilege of being able to go with him into the Pentagon. I didn't even know how to get into park, let alone, but, but he had this special access and special ability to get us into the Pentagon. And so we go through all of these different security procedures. We had to, we had to present uh, specific IDs and we had to tell them specific things. And all of it was predicated on this idea that we had to, we were with Drew Allen, 
who is stationed at the Pentagon. And he met us there. He met us in the right spots. He helped us go through all the security procedures. There were fingerprints and blood tests and face. There was, it just felt like it was all kinds of amazing security. I don't know if I'm revealing any national secrets, but we ate at the food court that's underground at the Pentagon. I ate at Subway's in the Pentagon. How weird is that? There's a Subway's in the basement of the Pentagon. So I got to eat there and that was amazing. It was incredible. We were actually walking down one hall and at this point my youngest son was still in a stroller because he was just so young. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening? We, he starts crying and we're outside the office of the Commandant of the Air Force and I'm thinking, Dawson, you have to be quiet. You're going to start a war or something. Stop crying. And suddenly this officer comes out of one of the offices. What is that? I hear, I hear a baby crying. And it was a female officer. And she was like, oh, this is, it's a baby. It's so cute. And I was like, oh, we didn't, we're not going to die. We're not going to get shot. This is great. And she just loved on Dawson. And that was great. She showed us the office of the commandant of the Air Force, one of the joint chiefs of staff. He wasn't in the office, but we got to go into his office. And it was amazing to get to see all of that. And then I, as we left and as I think about that memory, one of the things I recall is I didn't get to do any of that. Not one piece of that great story, not one piece of that great memory was created because I'm somehow qualified to go into the Pentagon. If I just showed up at the front gate of the Pentagon on any day of the week, they would have kicked me out. They would have probably been very kind, but they would have been very firm and said, yeah, you don't belong here, get out. The only reason why I got to go in and experience what I experienced, the only reason my family got to go in and experience what they experienced was because of who we were with. We were with Officer Drew Allen. And because of his qualifications, because of what he had gone through in his time in the Air Force, because of his service to our country and to our families, because of all that he had done, he had the security clearance, he had the right, and because of him, we, and we were with him, we got to go in and experience something that we've never experienced before. It reminds me that everything's political, right? Even, even heaven, even heaven's political, it's, it's who you know that gets you in, right? Isn't that exactly what Hebrews chapter 9 says? Hebrews chapter 9, right here at the very beginning, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. That's the first thing that I notice about this passage is that only Jesus could pay the price. Only Jesus could pay the price for your sin and for mine. Only his blood was worthy to stand before your heavenly father. Only his was perfect. Only his was spotless. Only his was perfect. It's, it's somehow it, encoded in the spiritual DNA of who he is that he could walk up to the gates of heaven and walk in as though he owns the place <laughs> because he does. And only he could step in to the holy of holies and look his heavenly father eye to eye and do that without shame, without embarrassment, without the punishment or penalty of sin being even necessary because there's just something about the blood of Jesus. It's spotless, it's sinless, it's perfect, it's pure. And by that 
purity, he's able to step into places that we could never, ever be able to go ourselves. And it's one of the things that just I'm reminded of when I think about this idea that only Jesus could pay the price. Well, certainly he had the right to step into the Holy of Holies. Certainly he had the right to stand face to face before our Heavenly Father. But Philippians chapter 1 tells us that, that, that Jesus looked at us with the affection of Christ. And he looked into our world and he recognized the problem that we had. And the problem that we have is nothing more or less than sin. And in our sin, we don't have the ability to stand face to face with God. We don't have the ability to even cross the threshold of the holy place or of the holy of holies. There's a sacrifice that has to be made. We can't stand there on, their own, on our own. It's who we know that will get us in, right? It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Only Jesus could pay the price, and here's how he did it. Many of you already know the story. He left heaven. He came to earth. He lived as a baby. He lived as a young man. He lived as a, as a prophet and as a priest. He lived as a man who would teach the people about what it means to follow God and to trust in Jesus, to trust in him for the forgiveness of sins. And at the end of his life, he, wasn't, he didn't die of natural causes. He willingly gave his life as a sacrifice on the cross at Calvary for your sin and for mine. Isaiah chapter 53 tells the story. Listen to what Jesus went through so that we could be with him. Isaiah 53 verses 1 through 5. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the, lo- the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Only Jesus could pay the price. And only Jesus could pay the price because of the perfection, because of the spotless, because of the sinless nature of his blood. Only he could step into the holy of holies. And only he could do that. And his desire in doing that is such a beautiful love story. The reason he went through all of that is you. The reason he went through all of that is because he wants you to be able to know his father face to face. He wants his father to be your father. He wants to adopt you into his family. And he knew the only way that could happen is a sacrifice had to be made. The shedding of blood was the only way it could happen. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Go back to that verse with me real quick. It says this. Therefore, Jesus is now the mediator of the new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred. 
Jesus is now our mediator. So the first thing we notice in this passage is that only Jesus could stand in your place. And the next thing we notice, excuse me, is that only Jesus could pay the price. And the next thing we notice is that only Jesus could stand in your place. That's what Hebrews 9.22 is all about. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus literally went through hell on earth to, sacri- to, to, to become the sacrifice for your sin and mine. Only Jesus could stand in your place. He is the mediator. He is the one who stands between you and the heavenly father. He's the only reason you get in. He's the only reason you get along. He's the mediator. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I think I need to pause right there. There's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. I wonder if you've paused lately to consider exactly how serious your sins are. What was the last temptation that you gave into? Did you think it a a small thing? Ah, it's just one more time. It's just one lie. It's just one harsh word. It's just that little word. It's such a small word, just. But it gets us into a world of trouble, doesn't it? Have you ever paused? Have you stopped recently to consider just how serious the temptations you give into every day really are? Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 tells you without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. Big sin? Right. No forgiveness for big sins without the shedding of blood. Medium-sized sins? Yeah. There is no forgiveness of medium-sized sins without the shedding of blood. What about those little small ones? You know, those ones that are socially acceptable. You know, the ones that are legal and, and, and accepted by culture today. What, what, about those, what about those ones that culture cheers on? Hey, yeah, go do that. Go be that. Go act like that. What about those, those you know, the little ones that, that law says is okay and, and life, cultural life says is, is okay. What, what about those little sins? Yeah. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for even that little thing that everybody else tells you is just okay. I think it's amazing what Jesus did for us. He died for all of that sin, little and big. The things you take lightly, he shed his blood for. The things you find serious, he shed his blood for. And the only reason you can have forgiveness is because of the blood that he shed on the cross at Calvary. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a verse that Pastor Chris talked about a few weeks ago. It says, he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that an incredible truth? When the Bible says in in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 that he is the mediator between us and between God, it means that because of the shed blood that Jesus died on the cross to shed, because of what he did for us on the cross at Calvary, it means that when God looks at you as you've placed your faith in Christ, that you are covered by his blood. 
And the life that you now live, you can now live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. When God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin nature because it's covered by the spotless, perfect blood of Christ. And, he, and what he does see is he sees the righteousness of Christ in you. He became sin. Jesus became sin who knew no sin. He had never known sin before so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. And so today, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we share in this service together, that's what we're remembering as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Now, here's some things about the Lord's Supper that I just want to remind you of. The Lord's Supper is a symbol for believers. It reminds us that in light of his sacrifice, that we should examine our lives. We should examine our own hearts so that we could repent of our sins. The big ones, the medium ones, and the small ones. What was the last casual temptation that you just gave into? What was the last sin that you just winked at? Ah, it's not a big deal. Wink, it's just not a big deal. Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of those things and the Lord's Supper is an opportunity to examine ourselves and to confess those sins in relationship to him. It reminds us that through his body that Jesus was completely obedient in every way to our heavenly father. It challenges us to follow in his footsteps that we would be obedient as he was obedient. That by his power, by his strength and by faith in him we would be able to walk in his footsteps and follow him in his ways. It reminds us that through his blood through his blood is where forgiveness is found and that we are fully covered by him. So here's what we're going to do in order to celebrate the Lord's Supper today. And if you're watching online, you may have the elements with us. Uh, if you have them with you, you can share them with us. But even if you don't have the elements, you can still participate with us as you simply take time to consider what those elements mean and the significance of them to Jesus and within your own life. And so here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I want to, I want to tell you some things about the way the Lord's Supper has been prepared today. Our deacons, and deacons, you can go ahead and move into your spots, if you would, around the, the, uh, the church. We have multiple stations set up. Our deacons are incredible godly men who have prepared the Lord's Supper today. They've prepared it in a totally contactless manner, meaning those who prepared it were gloved up and masked up as they prepared it. They've been covered the entire time. And what we're going to ask you to do as you come to receive these elements, what we're going to ask you to do is find the table that's nearest to you and that has the least amount of traffic. We're going to ask you to wear a mask in order to be mindful of one another. And what will happen is as they serve the elements, you'll receive two cups in one. The bottom of the first cup will have the, 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 the bread in it. The, the top cup will have the juice in it. What they'll do is they'll place it on the table. They'll back off and then you'll receive it and then you'll go back to your seat. And, and then the next person will come to receive the next element. So that's the way, that's the manner in which we'll take it. And then when we come back to our seats, we'll have a moment together in just, in just a second where we'll receive the Lord's Supper together. And so here's what I'd like for us to do. I'm going to pray with us. And then as I pray, after I pray, move with your mask to the nearest table to receive those elements. And then we'll continue in our Lord's Supper together. Father, thank you so much for our time together today. Thank you for your word that tells us such beautiful things about who you are and the grace that you've given to us through your son, through the death of your son on the cross at Calvary. Thank you for the blood that he shed, that he's qualified to stand before you and that because of his qualifications, I get to stand with him and that he is the mediator between me and you. So thank you, Father, that he stands in my place. Help us today as we take these elements to remember his death until he comes. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Let's take a moment, if we would, to stand together. And before you come to receive the elements, I have just one last thing to say. The Lord's Supper is for believers. Maybe you've come today looking for help and looking for hope, and you've never really trusted in the fact that Jesus was the only one who could pay the price and the only one who could stand in your place. Well, I want to invite you to come to the table, but not receive the elements. I'd like you to, to invite you to come to the table and speak to one of the deacons and just simply say, I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ. So if you've not yet placed your faith in Christ, you could do that right now today. You could trust in him for the forgiveness of sins. And let me invite you, don't take the elements. It's only for believers. But come to the table and tell them, I'd like to place my faith in Jesus Christ. At the point that you receive Christ, then you can participate in the elements with us. This could be your first Lord's Supper. And so let's do that together now. As God moves you, let's move towards the table right now. You know, the Lord's Supper is filled with symbols. The bread is unleavened because in Scripture, leaven always represented sin. And so we eat this tiny cracker that has no leaven in it because we want to symbolize the reality that, that, that Jesus was sinless. For me, the Lord's Supper has so much personal relevance because it was during a service like this that my children came to understand what faith is really all about. And so let's just take a moment to consider the body of Christ that was broken on the cross at Calvary, the nails that were driven into his hands and feet, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head, the spear that was stuck into his side. And he did that because there's no such thing as a small sin. His body was broken for you 
and for me. And so today, let's take this bread and eat in remembrance of him. Let's eat. And then as we've seen, go ahead and take the juice and place it in your hands. And just recognize why the color is red. It's a reflection of his blood. And Matthew 9, 22 is crystal clear. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Only his blood could qualify you. Only his blood could get you past the security. Only his blood would allow him to pay the price and stand in your place. His blood was shed on the cross at Calvary. And as a result of it, your sins are forever covered. The worst thing that you've ever done on the worst day of your life has been forgiven. And it's because of his blood. And we're reminded in scripture that on the night of his death, on the night that he was betrayed, that he took a cup and he shared it with his disciples. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful and so grateful that you have given us so many ways to know you. Thank you for the body of Christ that was broken for us. Thank you for the blood that he shed. Thank you for the life that he lived. Thank you that he didn't stay dead, but he rose again three days later and that he lives today in the hearts of his people. Thank you for the men and women who are here, the men and women who are watching and participating online. I pray that today that we would consider that there is no small sin, that every temptation we face today and tomorrow and this week and in the days ahead, that we would remember this moment and that every time we face that temptation, we would recognize that you are standing as our mediator, that you are strengthening us to overcome that temptation and by your power, we can follow you. And Father, when we fail, by your strength, we are forgiven. And so help us, Father. We believe in you. Help us in our unbelief. Thank you for these elements that we've received today and the, and the privilege of being able to do this together. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's one last thing I want us to see in this passage. And it's all the way at the very end. It's verse 28, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. Actually, let's look at verse 27 first. Start on verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So that's the last idea. Only Jesus can pay the price. Only Jesus can stand in your place. And only Jesus could rescue you from the grave. Only Jesus can do that. Many of you know my COVID story. That back in September, August, August, my father caught COVID. And by September 5th, he had passed away. 
because of COVID. And he and I had had many conversations about what this day might look like. I never expected, he never expected that it would be because of something like this. And it's tragic and it's hurtful and there's not a day that goes by. And for those of you who stand in a similar place where you've lost someone, not just from COVID, but you've lost a parent um, for whatever reason, you just know there's not a day that goes by that you don't think about them. And I just remember the way my dad thought and the way my dad taught me. And one of the things I kept thinking as we were talking to the doctors and the nurses and trying to determine what the best possible care for him would be and how can we, can he be rescued out of this moment? Is there anything we can possibly to, do? And, and the, the beliefs of my father as we made those decisions just echoed in my head and I could just almost hear him quoting verses 27 and 28. Hey, Chad, it's appointed for everyone to die and then the judgment. God's got this. And I can almost hear him saying, if this is my time, then COVID doesn't matter. It's my time. My father's taken me home. And on the other side of this, if this is not my time, then COVID doesn't matter because my father's gonna leave me here because there's more work for me to do. Only Jesus can rescue you from the grave. And in this moment, I don't know what you face or how you face it. As you remember this Lord's Supper today, whatever it is, if Jesus is in it, he's with you and he's for you to leave you here to serve and to love and to live and to be an example and to represent him well. And if he takes you home, then he's rescued you from the grave to an eternity in heaven, face to face with his heavenly father. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The last piece of the Lord's Supper, when Jesus initiated, it was remarkable. It says that they stood together, they sang a hymn, and they left celebrating the goodness of their God. So that's how we'll finish our service today. Let's stand together, let's sing a hymn, and then we'll leave this place praising our Heavenly Father.